0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza, And today we're going to be diving into the trenches of a very, very sensitive and popular topic. And when I say popular, I don't mean popular because everyone loves talking about it. I mean popular because so many people are affected by body shame, Relationship, or shall I say, poor relationship to food and eating, and so many women all around me, and men included, are hating their body or hating parts of their selves. And food has become the drug of choice for many of us, and I include myself in that. The expert I have on today's show is Miriam Yano. She's an expert on the relationship between women and nourishment. She teaches women globally about nourishing the sacred feminine first as a way to honor themselves bridging the gap between emotional eating, nutrition, and spirituality. She is the creator of the Divine Renewal Program, a revolutionary program which supports women in creating an intimate connection with food and their body, feeding what they're truly hungry for in life With spiritual nutrition. And as I mentioned before, I'm someone who really resonates with this topic. I have been very transparent in past episodes and past conversations about my own struggles with my own body image and body weight right from the time that I was a young child, really hating my body. I remember some of my earliest memories were standing in front of the mirror and punching my stomach and punching my thighs, thinking they were too big. And really what was underneath that was a much deeper pain, a much deeper issue around my self-esteem and feeling safe or unsafe in the world. And so many of us struggle with this, men and women alike. Of course, this show is dedicated to women, but I have male listeners as well who might have someone in their life that is suffering from this or maybe you're observing your girlfriend or your wife or your daughter even struggling around this issue and this episode is for you. It's for all of you where this has become an issue and it could be that you can't stop thinking about food or what you ate or how big your thighs got. Or the fact that your genes don't fit, whatever it might be for you, I think this show is going to spark something really transformative for you. And I'm hoping what it does is it continues this conversation. Because so long as this conversation stays in the shadows and it stays something that is shameful that we don't talk about, that's as long as it's going to take to heal it. You know, we can't heal what we don't acknowledge. So my hope is that you enjoy this episode, but that it really, really touches you at a deeper place. and that it opens up you having this conversation in your community, with your friends, with your coach or your mentor or whoever it is that you turn to for guidance. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Miriam. I'm so, so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Mm, Thank you, Giovanna. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: And I'm, you know, I'm equally as excited that we're getting to reconnect again because you and I met. It was was it two years now in Toronto and
1: maybe three maybe, it three, maybe
0: three, right? So it's it's been a while, and we connected, and we we kind of I don't even remember how we connected, but we connected, I guess, in our nutrition holistic nutrition circles and. We just kind of hit it off and I loved your energy then. I still love your energy now and I love what you're doing in the world. So I was really excited when you agreed to be a guest on the show.
1: Mm, Thank you. Thank you. I think there's more and more women coming together to collaborate and just create in this collective union that we're coming together a stronger voice and uh, definitely nutrition. And um, the topic of food is a big one as we are always and will forever be around it in order to survive.
0: Yeah, well, let's dive into that because the show topic for today is around our relationship to food as women and around this, you know, idea of how nourishing yourself really comes from so many places and it's so much deeper than the literal food we ingest, but yet there is this relationship there that speaks volumes. So if you can start with your own personal journey around this and and your She Rises story around this topic...
1: Yeah, well, my story begins as early as um, now, if I had to pinpoint exactly when things started, they started around the age of 11 when um, I started having a very particular relationship with food. Now looking, then I didn't know it was there, but now looking back, it's when things started showing up in the surface, having very strange behavior around it. Around 11 years of age uh, till about 13 years of age, there was a lot, a lot of um, shame and guilt and feeling out of control and starting to realize that my life was not like most children. At that point, I had arrived to Canada from Colombia and I had suffered quite a bit uh, being a victim of the drug lord. Uh, I'm actually surprised I'm even calling it a victim now because it's taken me this long to even to even accept that I was a victim of of war. And Mm. so
0: because at that time in Colombia, there was there was a huge drug war happening.
1: Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. of course, I mean, for those of you who your listeners who don't even know what we're talking about, uh, just turn on the Narcos show and you will see exactly what we were going through. Yeah,
0: no joke.
1: It's a, yeah, no joke indeed. So uh, with that was also that war. And it, there was my own personal war with my own family and my own personal situation with having to leave Canada. I, sorry, having to leave Colombia the way that I did in order to arrive to Canada. Mm-hmm. And so... My relationship around food was a lot. It started becoming one where I knew that if I ate, it would calm down my anxiety. And I knew that because all day, every second of the moment, I was starving. I felt this true hunger at the pit of my stomach. And it came with everything. It came with the sensations of of, uh, a growling stomach. It came with the sensations of of a feeling that, that, uh, the cravings that come along with it. And the only way I could let that feeling go would be through food. The only problem was that at the time we were living in a house that we were supposed to be there for an X amount of time. And for financial reasons, we stayed there longer. So what I did is I started hiding to eat mm. in order for the owners of the house not to find out that I was eating their groceries And so already at that level, I was developing a very, very unhealthy relationship. I remember helping clean out the plates while we would have dinner together, all of us as a family. And literally, Giovanna helped to clean out the plates so I could eat the leftovers of the kids uh, where I would pull them out from the garbage so I could eat them. Oh, my gosh. So because it wasn't enough. It never was enough. And so there was a a feeling of real true hunger and not even craving but true hunger that the more that i ate the more that i wanted to eat to feel full to feel satisfied to feel like i was being truly fed and so fast forward i lived like that for until about the age of 13 around that time of course i'm in the cusp and i'm becoming a full teenager And I discover the benefits of working out, I guess, which is fantastic when you work out. There's all the serotonin, dopamine, all these hormones that you're releasing. And I decided to start working out. But at this point, when I started to work out, I was now, I had gained a certain amount of weight. I was binging and purging. I was, uh, we had already moved out of that house So I had more access to food, to the foods that made me feel satisfied. And then, of course, by that point, by the time I was 14, I knew how to purge.
0: So we're layering the problem now, right? Like we're layering with others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm layering the problem. But by the time I was about 14, there is even more shame that comes with that because there's a lot of secrecy and hidden hidden relationship with that food. And the pain and the anger all layered as well, family situations, really, truly, uh, I mean, the phenomenon of Me Too, as we see it all come out, I was also a victim of uh, sexual harassment, abuse, and sexual violation. And with all of that and all of that not being able to turn to anyone, it was really, truly self-medicating now that I look back. And so I discovered the power of working out. And I say power because there is a lot of benefits to moving your body. And at that time, the 20-minute workout was a big one, I remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're aging ourselves, but yes, I remember that too. (laughs) And the leg warmers and the leotards.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that was a very interesting time, except that my 20-minute workout turned more into like a 60 minute workout because I would just not do the 20, but I would also do three classes in a row. And so again, just like any addiction, I wanted more of the feel-me-good. And the feel-me-good kept moving forward and forward. I turned 15, 16, 17. And at that point, I started dramatically losing weight. By the time I was 17, people could see that I had lost a lot of weight. But of course, in my clever ways, I would hide it. And I would hide it with sweatpants. I would hide it with big clothing. And just to get very technical about the whole thing... I, I kept working out, only that by this point I started noticing between the ages of 17 and 19 that not only my physical body was changing, but now internally I was changing. I started feeling weak. I didn't have the same reserves. I didn't have the same stamina. I didn't have the same energy, and it, because I didn't have the workout to run to and do I don't know, at the time I did a hundred jumping jacks nonstop, I started slowly and slowly feeling extremely sad. And to the point that I thought that if I stopped really truly eating, maybe I would die. And so the whole idea of body image was more turned into, if I do die, who would even notice? And if I die, maybe the pain that I feel will lessen. And between the ages of 17 and 19, I started hurting myself. And these ways of hurting myself were not so much now through food, but actually through scratching my body and really, really feeling anger. And anger with certain specific parts of my body. So at this point, Giovanna, you can imagine I'm under a hundred pounds. I am the lowest I've ever been in my life. And I'm still capable of grabbing my stomach and scratching it and feeling outer mm. anger.
0: It's the epitome of, of self-hatred, really, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And I, it resonates with, with me so much because, I mean, I have my similar story around that. But it's I can really see how now it's like another layer and another layer. Yes. So how did you get out of that?
1: Well, by the time I was 19, I was hospitalized. I had enough intuition to know at that point that um, I I went to the doctor and um, I started, I I remember to get to our house, we lived in the flat of a house, the second floor, and I could not get up the stairs. And then on that one particular day, climbing those stairs were like if I was climbing almost the equivalent of a mountain, of a volcano, which I recently did with my kids. Um, It felt like I was just having to push and pull my weight. And I had enough courage to go to the doctor and say to her, my heart is not well. And she, of course, thought it was anxiety and whatnot. But I kept pushing. And sure enough, I was sent to a cardiologist, at which point. From the cardiologist, they hospitalized me because my electrolytes were low.
0: Wow. And so your heart was not well. Like, I almost thought you were speaking metaphorically when you were saying that. But literally, (laughs)
1: literally, literally literally, your
0: heart was failing because of all the abuse to your to yourself.
1: Yeah. And I was I was hospitalized and I was put into rehab at Toronto General Hospital. And immediately put into an eating disorder program because I had full blown anorexia nervosa and I was under watch because, it, metaphorically or literally, I was dying of a broken heart. Oh. And so, what is beautiful about the medical system is that the medical system stops the bleed, right? You get into a car accident, they stop the ple- bleed. But unfortunately, it's not preventative. So, and it's still very male male-orientated. And I think that's so important for women to understand.
0: And what do you mean by that specifically? Is it that it's like patching symptoms? Like it's it's doing the Mr. Fix-It kind of thing? Is that what you mean?
1: I think that what ends up happening is that the, the field of women and emotional eating, and I don't want to call it eating disorders, but emotional eating, because I've done this work enough to understand that if a woman needs to lose five pounds or she needs to lose 50 pounds, her dream is to lose five pounds so she can get into the perfect black dress or she needs to lose 50 pounds or she needs to gain the weight or she is addicted to food or she is an under under eater, which we can call her an anorexic or she's an overeater or she is binging and binging and purging. At the end of the day, every single woman is trying to feed the unfeedable. Totally. So worldwide, as women, we are struggling. And we're struggling from this emotional eating and these body image issues that we're yearning at the end of the day to feel loved, to feel worthy, to feel satisfied, to feel heard, celebrated, and acknowledged. And that is the feminine. And the medical system is not trained to understand that. And so the medical system can only take you so far. But at some point, you need to reclaim the parts of your life, especially your body, that you have disowned. And there is absolutely nothing, no program, no system, nothing that I truly, truly believe is out there except you finally accepting that you are enough.
0: So, I mean, this is beyond profound because I know I know myself personally and I know so many women listening in my audience and even the men that are listening. This will resonate with a lot of women, if not almost all women, because I don't know not one of my female friends or even my clients or anyone that I've ever come in contact with as a woman who truly, truly knows how to self-honor and how to really be in her body in a contented you know, as you would call it, nourished way. And it's such an important topic and it's such an epidemic because as you just described, there is such a range w- when it comes to food. I remember what struck me when you and I first met and when we first had our conversation is that you had said to me, like, I didn't have the, the traditional, quote unquote, issues with food that were like, let's say visible, right? Where some people think like, oh, it's only if you're really overweight that you have an issue with food. And that's, that's a lie. There's women that are slimmer that are don't by society standards have a weight problem that are very much struggling with this food because it's, it's a symptom of something deeper. And I wonder if you could touch on that.
1: Well, the truth is, is ab- absolutely, and, and exactly what you just said, whether it's 50 pounds or whether it's five pounds or whether it's the entire spectrum of our relationship with food, we are, we are truly just waiting and we're bl- and, and there's a lot of blame that comes with that. The truth is we can't get through life without food and, and food holds a lot of information. A lot of emotion. And how you eat it, when you eat it, and why you eat it, really truly plays a part of, of all that information as to what your relationship is.
0: Say more about that. What do you mean? Can you give us an example of that?
1: Well, so let's give an example. For example, when I was a child, I began hiding and binging food. And and that just left me completely conflicted. And, and what I was doing is I was creating unrealistic messages. That kept me denying from the truth of where the pain was coming. So until I wasn't ready to face, face to face, the pain and the hurt, I would continue using food as that unrealistic message to let go of the true issue. So it behind, was your
0: drug of choice, right? Like, a, like a, was, that's my drug of choice is food.
1: <laughs> it, well, this is it. Mm-hmm. It, it is. But then if it is a drug and we get into these plans and into these and we all sisters know them because we all have done them. But if they really truly are the answer and all these programs are the answer, why are we having this epidemic with women and body shame? Because there's two things that we're failing here to see. There is the nutritional, physical food, the one that sustains us, the one that nourishes us, the one that has a caloric value, the one that we need to know which are high-vibe foods, which are low-vibe foods. And even in that, Giovanna, if you really, truly start honoring yourself through spiritual nutrition and emotional nutrition, one day you can find yourself on the sidewalk eating a completely low vibe food, like a slice of pizza with three inches thick of genetic modified cheese and still be okay. Now, for the sake of of this conversation, I'm not going to even go there.
0: But but that's a we, big point. Like that I mean, <laughs> I, I know we don't, that's not have all day. But. I know I was gonna say that's a whole other show, but like that is a very good point because I, I what I'm hearing you say and what I've come to know myself is that at the core, you know the the injury here, whatever that might be, uh, that we're using drug our food as a drug, the injury it, it is a
1: spiritual and emotional injury. It truly is that if we are starving, we are so hungry, Giovanna, to reclaim our sacred feminine power. Why this phenomenon with me too? And I know that that we're trying to talk about body image, but we cannot fight for equal pay, equal right. We cannot fight our strength and our power until we don't honor the the house in which our soul resides. Amen. So... (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, it's all related, right? It's all part and parcel of how we see ourselves and in the world, right?
1: Exactly. We're hungry to reconnect with ourselves. We're hungry to reconnect with our sisters. This competition has us exhausted. We can't keep up. We're hungry to remember who we really are. We are craving it. And then what ends up happening when we are not feeding it? We find ourselves with one liter of ice cream. And Doritos right beside it to to feel better,
0: right? And you don't even notice until the bag's empty and the you know the Ben and Jerry's is at the bottom, right? Because it's well, we go, I you go temporarily unconscious. I would call it. <laughs>
1: But we do yeah, because there, totally. you know, there's a do you know there's a science behind that too, which more and more in this work of women and body shame, I mean, it's actually how I got into this. You gave a woman the exact diet, what to do and what not to do, and for some bizarre reason, it did not matter how specific or how committed you thought the person was the to do list was the one that just somehow she could just not do it. At some point, every single possible sabotage was right there. And mm-hmm. then we start realizing that your body is not the problem and that food is not the problem, that we really, truly are whole exactly as we are. And that what the problem is, is not wanting to look at the wounds, It's not wanting to deal with the wounds and to, and to step in the past. And in order to step into the past, it takes a hell of a lot of courage.
0: It really does. And you, I want to circle back to this one thing, cause you said it and it was so powerful when you said it just earlier around the the kind of symptom. And so for what I heard you say was that you had this kind of insatiable Hunger that went along with all of the hunger pangs and the cramps in the stomach, and the the ways in which we have used to identify, like, oh, I'm hungry. But what I heard you say was that it was actually a very, very deep rooted anxiety. And it, it resonated for me because I remember the first time that I committed to. I, I won't call it a diet, but I committed to a very serious lifestyle change. It's probably the first time in my life I've ever really committed wholeheartedly to something and I remember having moments of feeling exactly what you described and getting very anxious that I was hungry and and not being able to quote unquote eat because I was watching my intake and i was and I knew that I was fed like I knew rationally and I knew calorically, like I knew the science, I knew I was fed and yet I was feeling hungry. And it came with this anxiety of like, oh my God, I need to feel this. I need to feel it. And it was the first time in my life that I really recognized the connection between mistaking a deep sense of anxiety with hunger. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Hmm. And, and of course, here, um, one of the most incredible things, I, I don't particularly sign up to any form of eating or diet, but during my journey with learning about foods, one of the most incredible things that I possibly think I did that served me so much was macrobiotic. Now, macrobiotic taught me a lot to learn about the energies of food. And what is so amazing to learn about the energies of food is, for example, if you have, let's say, celery that grows upwards, or you have a sweet potato that is in the ground, depending whether you need to feel lighter or you need to feel grounded, you eat foods that are, that are based around the way they grow. Now, to go even deeper into that is that when we start understanding food, Uh, we start understanding the vibration of food. And we start understanding, and it's very simple, Giovanna. If I eat something and 20 minutes later, I feel like I'm totally knocked out. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and now I need a coffee and a donut to go along with it because I'm just so tired. Mm -hmm. Then you obviously know you've chosen a food that has been very low in vibration,
0: If you're paying attention, right? If you're paying attention. Because most people just,
1: they don't pay attention. We don't pay attention because our our hand-to-mouth is something as simple as how quick and how fast am I putting from hand-to-mouth my motion? And just observing your hand-to-mouth immediately informs you, are you eating? Are you stuffing yourself Can you get it fast enough down in your stomach? What are you really feeding? And so we go back again to those questions that are very much the work and and the principles of divine renewal. What are we eating? When are we eating? And why are we eating? So when we ask those questions, immediately it creates the awareness that we need to to be able to untangle the mystery that food is just not food, but rather it's fueling you, it's nourishing you, and how are you presenting it to the temple of your body?
0: And I love the question, too, what are you fueling? Because if you're, you know, if you're feeling really crap, and then you eat something crap, you're fueling more of the crap. I mean, I'm, I'm getting very technical terms here, right? But it's like, yeah. you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're having a bad day, like we see this on TV and it's become very much part of our culture. It's like, well, I, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to have something, let's say, that is otherwise bad for me, you know, using quotes. And yet, what is that nourishing? Are you continually nourishing the bad thing or the,
1: the heavy emotion or whatever it is, Right. So I I just want to interrupt you there because one of the things that I have a big problem with is bad and good. And now we're getting into a completely different subject, but one that is very important to honor as women. We have lived in a society where bad and good. We've been told already what's bad and what's good. Mm -hmm. Let's start with our desires and our (laughs) pleasures. We're all bad if you were born of a certain religion and in a certain part of the world or with certain kind of parents or a certain kind of culture, I can pretty much off the top of my head. Tell you what's bad and good. Correct. What makes you a good girl and what makes you a bad girl. Yes. And Mm -hmm. in fact, I was just doing a a project with my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter on brain science. Did you know, Giovanna, there is more negative words in the English vocabulary to describe a situation than there's positive? I believe it. And so we are so conditioned to what is bad and what is good that when we start doing that with our food, well, if you just had a bad food, what does that make you?
0: A bad it girl. Makes you- That's where the shame exactly. comes from, right? It's the fir- we, call, we have that term
1: guilty pleasure. It's like, oh, it's such an awful exactly. term. <laughs> exactly. When, when we realize that the core of us as women, in order to reconnect to the essence of the sacred self. In order to do that, you need to reunite your pleasure with your sacred self.
0: This is a perfect segue, actually, because I wanted you to talk more about that. Because what I read from researching more for this interview was that beyond the education with food, you learn to reconnect to this divine feminine self. And I wonder if you could demystify that for us.
1: Definitely. The mysteries of the feminine are beautiful. Once we start getting reunited with them and we, we, you know, for the longest time, I thought it was something I had to learn. But what was starting to happen is I was starting to remember Uh, the mysteries of the feminine are are really and truly how when we start nourishing our feminine, we start reclaiming and we start reconnecting who we are. How does that work? Uh, we live in a very, patriarchal. I mean, we grow up, and we become very goal-oriented. And this form of being so goal-oriented has left us absolutely exhausted because the truth of the matter is, is the feminine body does not work at that level all the time. So we live in a time that the feminine has really been undermined. And almost put in a place where when a woman, it's so interesting, this is a very interesting topic, which I myself, I'm trying to figure out because we have struggled so much for equality as women, as, as women to be equal pay, equal rights, equal, equal, equal. And as we have done that, we have created a level of feminism that for that today does, n- does not work for us.
0: It's not serving it's, us.
1: At all. So, what's starting to happen is we need and we must redefine worldwide what feminism is. Not because we're struggling for equal pay. And yes, all of those things are really important. But here's the advantage that we have as women that men don't have. And it's the fact that we are cyclical. Now, When we realize that we are cyclical and we realize that we work with certain phases in our cycle, and in, in those cycles, we understand. When is it that we are goal-oriented? When is it that we need to rest? When is it, and in fact, not only cyclical, we wear many archetypes as well, which I need to add that in. We wear the archetype of the mother. We wear the archetype of the working woman. We wear the archetype of the seductress. We wear many, many archetypes that have not been that have been silenced. And in fact, they have been abused. And they've been told that either she's not enough, or it's too much, not enough. And what happens is it becomes the center of our story. Mm -hmm. And so we start disowning certain parts of our life that no longer serve us. For example, a woman who is menstruating, whether you're menstruating or not, you're going through a very physical time in your life that you're resting, that you're really nourishing yourself. Again, this is how it's all interconnected. Nourishing yourself with certain foods is extremely important. Foods that are grounding, foods that are nourishing, and mostly foods that are high in caloric value. In order to give you the repair that you need in your body. But many women have disowned so much their own body that naturally when we're about to menstruate, we feel a little thicker around the areas of our body that we don't like. And what do we do, Giovanna?
0: We beat ourselves up. (laughs) And then
1: we go on a detox.
0: Exactly. Exactly the (laughs) wrong time to be detoxing. Yeah, exactly. You're already naturally detoxifying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Correct. So now I'm moving away from the mystical and the mysteries of the feminine into now you have a huge hormonal problem going on. Because now you've stressed your body so much that now we've got fight, flight, freeze, cortisol levels are high, dopamine is low, serotonin is low. Your body is naturally trying to get through this phase of of menstruation and bleeding. And instead of honoring it, we're hating it. Now, we all know that when the body's under stress, it it uses tremendous amounts of magnesium, B vitamins, but no, we're so busy in our heads that we've totally forgotten and disowned our body.
0: We're completely disconnected from like, you talked about the cyclical nature of women and, and, and also for the people listening, you know, the feminine we're discussing, it's an, it's an energy and it's, and if you are um, embodied in a more feminine essence, then this is what we're talking about. But I agree with what you're saying. It's like we've become so disconnected, even in society, it's just become the norm to be that disconnected, that we're not paying attention to the cyclical nature of our flow,
1: literally and figuratively, right? Correct. And, and this, again, happens, and I want to emphasize on the importance for all women, whether you are perimenopausal, menopausal, whether you're starting to bleed or bleeding, we start seeing that the more we ignore how cyclical we are, we really become truly deeply unsatisfied and we have, we don't have the strength and the power. We, we can't anchor it because we're not honoring the temple of our body. We're not honoring it physically, emotionally, or spiritually.
0: So for someone listening to this right now, like they're listening to our conversation and they're going like, like, yes, like there's something in them saying, you know, I don't know what it is, but I hear truth in this. And, and, and how do I do this? What could you offer in, in terms of like, where does someone start? You know, some, a woman that's listening who has spent a lifetime just ignoring, like you would call it the body temple, right? And, and being in shame and, you know, using food as a drug. Where do we start?
1: We start... By unfortunately, the most painful part, but if you really look at the history, as most of the clients that I coach are usually women who have tried every single diet. And the truth of the matter is that the more restriction we have and the more rules and the more good foods and bad foods we have, the more guilty we feel and the more unworthy we feel and the more shame and the more anxiety and we, the more of all of that stuff that has really truly left us completely disowning ourselves. So we have to start by detoxing what doesn't serve us. So we know now that there is full awareness that we're going through all of this, that we have tried all the different diets and then nothing has worked for us. We get to the root of the issue with body and body image. And a lot of this happens just with simple, simple journaling, Giovanna. Picking up a pen, writing, saying, what and where do I want to be at? What is the reason? What is my ideal body image? And not in the sense of what the media and the conditioning, what is it that I want to feel in my body? And body image means what do I want to feel? Do I want to feel energy? Do I want to feel beautiful? Do I want to feel loved? Do I want to feel desired?
0: Mm, And then going after that experience, right, as opposed to some ideal.
1: Well, here it is. I mean, let's talk to our single sisters, you know. Uh, What happens with just the word wanting to feel desire? If we have grown up in a society and we have grown up in a home, where really and truly pleasure is a problem, right there and then, if you are not in alignment with your sexuality, with allowing yourself to feel pleasure, I promise you, I promise you, during your cyclical month, because you're a cyclical creature, you will head out for the bag of Doritos. Oh, or yes, most sister. Likely, <laughs> or I most mean- likely. The tub of ice cream, because by the way, whether you pick Doritos or ice cream, or you want to eat an entire loaf of bread, there is also reasons why you pick certain foods and you binge on them.
0: Well, I want to speak to something here because (laughs) I just feel like I need to, uh, as a single sister, right? Like I need to, uh, this is amazing. So I just recently uncovered, and I, I think I shared this on another podcast or maybe someone that interviewed me, but I was, I was at this place where, you know, I had lost 70 pounds. And I was doing great. I was, I was, I was keeping it off and eating healthy, not completely healed of my body image issues. I have to say and confess, it's still a work in progress, but you know, I was doing well. And in the last, I would say two, maybe three years, I've put on this amount of weight that was just not budging. And I was just, and I also reached this place where I was just like, I don't care, you know, like I cared and then I didn't care. And then I cared. And then I was like, basically, pardon my French, fuck it. Right. Right. And apologize mm-hmm. for the French people. What, I, what happened was in a few deep coaching sessions with my own personal coach, not too long ago, several months ago, I actually realized that I had put on this weight because I was denying myself pleasure. And in particular, I was subconsciously keeping myself single because I didn't trust getting back into a relationship. Mm -hmm. So when you said that about the denying of pleasure, I see that I've seen that personally. And I actually see this place where women shut down that like that, you know, that sacral chakra life force, life force. And we eat right because that's where you could derive pleasure from if it's not externally like from life. Let's Mm -hmm. eat.
1: Yes. So glad you brought that up. And with that, we deny ourselves to feel our feelings. Totally. Yes. And and then we become, we stop embodying and we become more connected to our heads than our actual body. And we lose the ability to trust ourselves.
0: I want to stand up and scream and just say, amen.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Giovanna, I would say that when we come home to our bodies, only then, only then can all these all these ways of eating and all these, um, whether you're, whatever your goals are, because I am not going to deny the fact that really, and truly, when you are starting a process, there are certain foods that are really not going to get you close to what your goals are.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's the reality of it.
1: And that's the re that's the reality of it, but it's not all the reality that is partially the reality. And so the other part of it that we are now starting to see is that when we come home to our body, only then these two train of thoughts, these two ideas marry each other and work symbiotically. The more pleasure I feel, the naturally the more high vibe foods I am going to want to reach out for. And so when we start honoring, when we start seeing and, and again, I bring it back. When we start honing in into where we reside, we become very, very clear as to who we are. And there's a natural, natural grounding, grounding that happens within, under our skin. And when that happens, there becomes discernment, for example, who we let into our lives. Who, who we let kiss us, touch us, be with us physically. And even what in terms of food, right? Like when you... Correct. And yeah. the foods that we choose. The, the, the things that we shop for. The things, that we, the things that we're going to put on ourselves. Even the way that we touch ourselves. Even the way that we want to be seen. Even the way that we want to show up in the world. And it's only through that reclaiming that our ability to trust ourselves, we start marrying and reuniting the sacred self with the body.
0: And I want to go back to your practical tip that you brought up, because it sounds simple journaling, but it's it's quite profound. One of the things for me, when I, you know, started my journey several years ago, What I noticed was, and I was specifically, because I was awake and aware of this, I was specifically taking note and journaling on this, of the times when I was wanting to eat, but I was not hungry, right? So I knew, like, physically I was sustained. I didn't need the food, and yet I was hungry. And so this journaling exercise that you just suggested for everyone you know, I want to add to that, which is it, it really is profound because when I really sat down with myself and I realized I'm actually angry right now, or I'm actually bored or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm pissed off that my friend said this and that, Mm -hmm. that's where the desire to eat was coming from. And it's, it wasn't until I deconstructed that, that I could really see it like, and get a hold of it.
1: And, and really like what you just described there, the key thing is awareness. But when we are so tangled up in our own emotions and we don't take a step back, uh, awareness, like, what what is even that? And so because most of the women who are in such, such shame around food, I come back to those questions. The importance of asking, because sometimes we don't have that awareness to know, hey, I'm bored or, hey, I'm angry. We don't. All we know is we have a craving. And so cravings come for several reasons, too, which is really important to see as well. They're just not emotional, but they're also hormonal. And as cyclical creatures that we are, we have to honor those cravings. And there's going to be times where we are going to crave more sugar or more salt or more uh, comfort like milks and, and ice cream. But the question is, is how do we stop ourselves from eating the entire tub of ice cream? How do we stop ourselves from eating the whole chocolate bar or not even eating it at all? Because if I get started, my God, the whole thing will be gone. So the awareness is really important. But awareness sometimes for some women is like asking them to climb Mount Everest. So we start with the basic questions. And again, is why am I craving that? You know? And, and, and if you find yourself in the car eating, well, where am I eating this? Am I eating it in my living room, sitting down? Am I eating it at the kitchen table? Am I eating it while I'm standing? Am I eating? If, am I eating? Where am I eating this? Because that also will inform you a lot about whether you're hiding it or not. Mm. And what are you eating? What are you eating? Are you are you eating something that you know is not going to make you feel good? Or what is it that you're 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 trying to nourish? What is it that you're trying to eat to feel better?
0: And, and from so a sick. place of curiosity, too, wouldn't you say, Miriam? Oh, yeah. because, Inquiry. Is right. Changed. Otherwise, we're judging, like, what am I doing? And I'm like, I'm That's sitting in right. my car. And I really, it's a weird thing to teach because you think, oh, you don't have to teach that. But I try and really teach my clients about curiosity rather than shame or judgment.
1: And here's the thing. Exactly. We, we don't need more shame. I mean, society has done a beautiful job of that. The system, as we have seen, we have schools, we have culture, we have many things that have done a lot of things to many of us. I know, for example, growing up in a Latin American society, if I have to look back at the way I was brought up, my God. I mean, I've had to completely renew, be reborn, completely change systems, break down walls, peel layers in order to know it's okay. I am safe. It's okay. I I desire to feel pleasure. It's Mm -hmm. okay to be seen. It's okay to be heard. It's okay to speak my truth.
0: Yeah. Giving yourself that permission. And again, coming, like we, we get so much shame, even especially from ourselves, the inner voice, right? So being curious with your own process, really. Correct. Yeah. Miriam, yes. if you had to, you know, leave the audience with, I just, I feel like this conversation could go on for another five hours because it's such a big topic. I I love the work that you're doing and I, I love this conversation because I think it just speaks to so many of us listening. If you had to leave us with one or even two more, whether it's a practical first step or you know, even a permission granting, what Mm -hmm. would you tell our listeners? What would you want to leave them with?
1: I would say that emotional eating can be healed. And it comes from being healed of knowing that you are enough. And not only that you are enough, but when you heal, your sisters heal as well. And when your sisters heal, we all heal collectively. So whether you have been a victim of any sort of society or environment or parents or culture, even, you know, harassment, sexual abuse, and you are feeling all of those layers in your body and all that trauma in your body, and now you're trying to find a way to heal it through food, it is possible to reclaim. It is possible to come back to your own body and to be able to reclaim yourself. And the way that that happens, it starts by becoming aware. And it starts also by gaining the support and the support of being witnessed. And this usually happens through different sources such as... uh, So many, many, many uh, incredible modalities out there and incredible nutritionists and coaches and all sorts of psychotherapies and things that really help women move one step at a time to be able to heal and to know that it is possible to live a life in a body that you love
0: thank you so much and and you are one of these guiding lights and you know i consider you a guiding light to myself too i'm i'm still very much a work in progress in this area and i you know i i turn to you as well for for this inspiration and guidance and i've loved so much this conversation that like i said could could go on literally forever because it it's it just feels like we've scratched just the tip of the iceberg with this. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So Miriam, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your light with us on the show today. And and all this wisdom around a topic that I think, you know, it's it's so poignant to our time, especially I think shame is on its way out the door. And Mm -hmm. for it to leave, it has to come up and it's a difficult conversation to have. So thank you. Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Blessings.
0: Yeah. Audience, thank you for joining us. And if you want to find out more about Miriam and her amazing work, go to divinerenewal.com. You can find out more about her there. Thanks for joining us.